You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. This is the first week of April, and it's kind of crazy that things are continuing. It, it feels like a rapid pace every time we're here on a Monday, right? Uh, Bell Garcia, Charles Hammerker with you as always here. Uh, you know, we kind of, I think last week we we're like, oh, it's so nice to not have so much to talk about. <laughs> and then boom, we're back into it. So okay. with that being said, your uh, most complete coverage of Seattle sports um, we'll get right into it with our Seattle news, yes. uh, news about the Seahawks here. Some, I mean, nothing, I guess, too groundbreaking, but some interesting, uh, tidbits here and there, especially about a certain wide receiver. Yes. Let's go ahead and dive right into those with some Seahawks news. Well, not really news, but just quick updates. Um, the Seahawks are not fully closing the door on a Carlos Dunlap return. So they are looking at the possibility of having him back. And I mean, I think that release shocked everyone so i'm not completely surprised that they're considering just picking him back up um do you think this is for contract reasons or just to like restructure things it might have been a contract thing i know that he was playing out of position even last year and that kind of hindered some of his stats i know like the game that comes to mind is the 49ers game at home where he had an impact i think he had a safety in that game uh i just i don't know i think I think what probably sticks out is a con a contractual thing, but I don't understand why you cut him as opposed to unless again, like with the Bobby Wagner situation, you came to the table and said, which I don't think happened. Um, oh yeah, I think they confirmed that it wasn't. They didn't ask him to take a pay cut, mm -hmm. so it's bad. But I wonder if you come to the table and you ask Carly, said, "Hey, are you going to take a pay cut?" He said, "No." All right. Cut well, him. we have to we have to do something. Um, so I'm I'm gonna assume that they didn't do that. I was gonna think, hey, it might have been a cap hit thing, but you know, going to a three four defense, you're gonna need you know usually your down linemen are gonna be bigger guys to stuff the run. Your outside guys are gonna be linebackers that rush the passer. So are you putting Dunlap at an outside linebacker position there, and then sometimes risk having to put him in coverage? You see what I mean? He's more. I feel like fits into a four, three defense. Mm -hmm. So it might be a fit thing now. So it might be, Hey, if you want to come back at a lower number, we can get you in some pass rush snaps. Yeah. But it might, I think it's up to Dunlap at this point, if he wants to do that and deeming where, you know, the money. So I, yeah. I, I don't know if he would want to come into a fit like that right now. Sure. At this um, stage in his career, you know what I mean? Are there reports that he's been in talks with any other teams? I didn't think so. Either. I haven't seen anything. Yeah. Okay. I have not seen it. We'll go ahead and move on to our next little tidbit here. Um, the Seahawks and Kaepernick have talked, but uh, while Kaepernick reached out to Seattle for a workout, Pete Carroll says that the conversations have not progressed between them, so still no accepted workout, and Kaepernick still tries to find his way back to the NFL. I just I I wonder about it because I think we talked about it a few weeks ago when uh, Pete and John had that press conference. And he's like, I think you brought it up. He was yeah. like, hey, he, he might have a second chance. I don't know if it's in football, though. Right. And it's like, uh, it doesn't really seem like there's any positive momentum towards it. And especially with what we've seen, what you just mentioned, Bell, I don't, I don't know. I don't see it. I know we've got some stuff about him later. So we'll get to that in yes, league news. But you will. is it in Seahawks, blue and green? I, I kind of doubt it with how they've talked about him. Yeah, I don't think Carol is open to it so much. I mean, it definitely doesn't sound like it. So hopefully he finds his way. Um, NFL.com identifies that the Seahawks draft needs three different positions, QB, offensive tackle, and corner. Um, corner is the one that sticks out to me the most. Yeah, because we the other ones make yeah. sense. Yeah, but like you were saying, I mean, the sign, uh, help me out here. It was, it was Coleman. Burns and Sydney. Yeah. So you yep. The, yep. Good. Good on you. Um, so if, I mean, you've already got Trey Brown coming back. So there's four guys, right? Who, if you draft somebody who's getting pushed out of there, right? Who's losing minutes, unless you're playing a bunch of like quarter sets where you've got like five uh, cornerbacks on the field, which you won't be. Um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about that? I, I mean, don't think they'd be looking so much at the corner position. Um, I know we've talked previously about the quarterback position and Malik Willis being yep. possibly a good fit. So I think that's maybe where they would look. Um, but 
yeah, I don't know. I don't think that corner position needs to be looked at anymore or any more changes to be made. No, I would. I, I think it's fine now. I mean, I, I mean, we talked about it before we went on air about Kevin King still being in there mm-hmm. and having a guy that's got the size that he does. Um, but it doesn't, I mean, yeah, it, it feels like we're getting a little crowded in the cornerback room because someone's going to have to sit on the bench here, you know, right. especially if you draft somebody. If you draft somebody, they probably will be developed, right? But Trey Brown, Trey Brown got drafted and he came in and he was a contributor immediately mm-hmm. and kind of forced his way into that conversation. So, yeah, that, I mean, the first two make sense. You know, haven't signed Dwayne Brown. Don't know what he's doing. The other week he was talking about Carolina and quarterback. I mean, that's no, that's <laughs> no yeah. secret, right? Uh, but I mean, offensive tackle makes sense. Quarterback makes sense. Corner has, I'm, I'm intrigued by that situation. Yeah. And the Seahawks do have nine picks in the 2022 NFL draft. So it'll be uh, interesting to see what they do with those. wonder if that number expands to more or if it shoots down with how, uh, John Schneider likes to, to trade those picks. Yes. Here so we'll see how that goes. Um, and in a little bit more, I don't even know what word would be appropriate for this, I guess, frightening news. Um, <sighs> NFL executives believe that the Seahawks wide receiver DK Metcalf can be had at the right price, um, despite the Seahawks saying that it has no plans for a trade and, of course, hoping to extend him. Um, apparently, there's belief that of the possibility of him leaving. Well, it's funny because just a, like an hour ago, uh, DK kind of addressed this himself, and we'll I'll throw this up here on the uh, – the screen so we can see it because a JPA football is a good account on Twitter. They, they kind of are on top of rumors and things like that. And uh, they tweeted basically what you just said. And here's DK's reply to that. Haven't heard anything per DK Metcalf 14. So (laughs) it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, But I mean, you talked to, we, I mean, Bell and I talk about things before we go on air, right? Like what's happened, you know, obviously what we're going to talk about in the show. Um, you know, would DK be moved? Now, we've been in this position before, kind of. Well, it's it's they're different, you know, with Russell Wilson and his agent Mark Rogers talking about a trade, pushing a trade, talking about potential teams, talking about wanting more involvement in the offense, you know, wanting more protection. Haven't heard anything, at least from DK's camp, right? Yeah. But also... The it's funny on Seahawks Twitter the word intent has been used a lot. They in, mm. they intended to keep Russell Wilson. Yeah. They intend to extend DK Metcalf, but also with the money that wide receiver. I mean, we talked about it last week with Tyree Kill, right? The money that the wide receiver position, the wide receiver market has been getting. I don't know how. One, if what DK wants money wise, right? If he wants to be in that top area, I would think so. Yeah. Um, and two, if John Schneider is willing to pay that and he, w- that's the thing with Denver, right? When Russell Wilson's contract comes up in two years, or if they want to restructure it before that, he's going to want big money. Mm-hmm. You know that, mm-hmm. you know, let alone Rogers's contract, Matthew Stafford got a big extension. He's going to want big money. Yeah. And John Schneider wouldn't have been willing to pay $50 million a year at the quarterback spot. So, um, I'm interested to see what that extension looks I mean I'd be happy just to get the extension out of the way I don't care mm-hmm. throw the throw, blank check here go DK sign it do what you want <laughs> but are you gonna like if you ask me if I think he's gonna be traded I don't know because last time I said no to something being traded someone being traded that ended up being wrong and I got laughed about it in the <laughs> comment section and I get it it makes sense right but I can tell you for sure I would say no because, you know, talked about the leadership role he's going to take in the in the last few weeks, mm-hmm. right? Talked about with Bobby being gone and Russell being gone. Uh, he said he wants to be the guy, right? Tyler Lockett, love Tyler Lockett, but I'm not, I'm not saying he's old. But, I mean, when you think about the Seahawks offense, he's kind of the guy that comes to mind for me. So I would hope that you'd keep him around because people are like, oh, you could trade him for a first-round pick. That's. I have no idea what a first round pick. It, that it's it's more of a it's a gamble. It is a gamble with DK Metcalf. You know what you're getting, and he's getting better, right? He played. The report came out I think last week or a few weeks ago that he was playing on a, like a broken foot mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, you know, from week four, and still making an impact, right? So this is a guy that is still getting better, and you know what you're getting. You know what you have, as opposed to oh, let's get a first round pick, and I have no idea who he'll, how he'll succeed. 
right? I would rather go with a proven commodity as opposed to not. But we've been blindsided before. Yes, we have. So. Yes, yes, we have. Take it with a grain of salt. But <laughs> as soon as something breaks, of course, we'll have more to talk about. Um, and just further on DK Metcalf, there was a... Less important news. Yeah, less important news. <laughs> um, his meals for the day. His diet, or the his, DK diet. Yeah, the DK diet. I guess I should say one meal. He has one meal, a cup of coffee, and three to four bags of candy a day. And I'm just going to say that I think DK has a great sense of humor for saying that because I don't believe that that could be somebody's diet. <laughs> I mean, you see those those pre-draft pictures of him, you know, and his. I'm not, uh, I think he's. <laughs> I think he's uh, might be a little bit of a joke. Yeah, I'm sure that's a joke, right? Um, but you know, a little bit lighthearted as compared to what we were just talking about. Yeah, and we need that with uh, the next headline that we're going to look at here. Because I'm sure not maybe fun. that's him stepping in his leadership role, taking away from the seriousness <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, in other news, Bobby Wagner has found a team. He signed with the LA Rams on a five-year, five million dollar contract. And that can go up to 65 mil with incentives. Um, while some of us may be upset that he went to a division rival, uh, we should remember that Bobby did not choose to leave. And so uh, hope for his success in this next yeah. chapter. Well, and then the thing that's always going to be interesting, in, with, well, look at the cap money, right? That that's, I mean, 60 million, 65 million guaranteed, I mean, uh, potentially with incentives. Yeah. Bobby Wagner is his own agent. He doesn't have an agent. He's representing himself. So he worked himself into that after we saw the report the other week that the Rams didn't want to pay him a one-year $11 million deal. Yeah. So the Rams are already cash-strapped, right? And he works his way into that. Way so, I mean, you can in increase that $15 million potentially with incentives. So he, goes, he gets to go back to Southern California where he's from. He gets to compete on a team that just won the Super Bowl and has tons of talent still play with uh, an Aaron Donald in front of him. Uh, who else is on Jalen Ramsey out of mm -hmm. corner. Mm -hmm. So he gets to be on a, a loaded team. He gets to get paid and he gets to go home effectively in a way. I know he said that Seattle's home and I appreciate Bobby for saying that. Um, but yeah, that's it's if anybody is feeling any sort of anger or like anything negative towards him, it doesn't make any sense for you to feel that way. Yeah. I get feeling upset that he's gone, right? But feeling upset that he chose the Rams. He How got, could you not? <laughs> talk, talk, talk to John Schneider or Pete Carroll about that. Because one, they didn't let him know that he was getting cut. They didn't ask him to take a pay cut and then just cut him. Mm -hmm. So that's on them. That's all in the front office. So yeah, it's at the end of the day, good for Bobby. Yeah, definitely. And on April 3rd, the Seahawks off-season dates were announced. Voluntary off-season workout program starts April 19th. Voluntary OTAs are May 23rd, 25th, 26th, and 31st, as well as June 2nd, 3rd, 6th, and 9th. And mandatory minicamp will be June 14th through the 16th. Moving on to some league news here. On the 29th, the NFL approved a playoff overtime change. So both teams will now be guaranteed a possession in a postseason overtime under a rule change passed Tuesday by NFL owners. So I know as soon as I saw that, there were <laughs> tweets coming in about, oh my gosh, you think about like what this team could have done back in this year or, you know, so it'll be interesting moving forward. But I think a lot of happy people. It's also that. kind of interesting that it's only a playoffs thing. And I yes. get that. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I mean, you talk about like the bills last year. Right. But uh, it's always kind of funny. The two games that come to mind when I think about that rule are that game now and the Tim Tebow game against the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers where Tebow throws a slant to Demarius Thomas, made Demarius Thomas rest in peace. Mm -hmm. um, and he takes it all the way And the Steelers, I think had a really good team that year. And the, the I think the, the Broncos were a wild card team and, because of because of that rule, touchdown and then the game's over. You yeah. Know? So yeah, I, it's it's interesting that it's just regular season, but at least at least it's in place. At least they did something about it. Yeah, I mean they worked hard enough to get there, so at least now both teams will have a chance to secure a win. Um, in other news, Cam Newton is looking for the right fit. He is still a free agent, correct? Yep. Um, and is reportedly weighing offers from several teams. So right fit. What do you, what do you think that means? I mean, I'm sure he wants a starter 
uh, sort of role, right? But also being able to, um, I don't know. I wonder, I'm sure he wants to be in a somewhat winning position. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, obviously, if you're a quarterback and you're looking for a, a hole to fill on the team, if, if a team's looking for a quarterback, they usually aren't that close to winning, right? Because, I mean, usually that's the big spot. I don't know what uh, what positions yeah. are open for that right now, really, you know, because the ones that I had thought about, like in Indianapolis comes to mind, and we'll get to that next with this next headline, they, they've got Matt Ryan now. And it's not like Cam Newton can sit for a year or two behind mm-hmm. a guy. You know, he's getting up there too. Yeah. So it's probably a, a situation that might not be there right now for him. It's, it's probably pretty tough because I'm sure he wants to win because he's getting up there. I don't think he needs a ton of money because he's already made a good amount. I think it's just winning yeah. and being in a, in, a, in a situation to win now. That's what I would think. Okay. Well, hopefully he finds that right fit soon enough. Um, and just as you mentioned, the Colts owner says that once arrow was a mistake, did not hold back on that. Um, Jim Ursay didn't hold back any feelings, said former quarterback Carson Wentz, for us, the fit just wasn't right. So strong feelings there. <laughs> just being let out. <laughs> it's always interesting around the league when you see headlines like this, where the whether it's someone in the front office or the actual owner says something like this. And you look at Seattle where that normally doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of interesting because, I mean, that might come back to bite you. I know we've seen things in the sports world where karma really shows up. But, uh, I mean, I don't know if I'm in that position. And Carson Wentz didn't play horribly. You know, that Jaguars game in weeks 18 was a little odd and really disappointing if you're a Colts fan. But, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, he wasn't bad. He wasn't horrible. So I just, it, it, it says a lot to me about how you treat players, I guess, or how yeah, you, you for know, sure. how, what kind of message you're sending to free agents, right? Or guys that you're going to draft like, Hey, you know, if I don't do so well, they might toss <laughs> me aside and talk, talk bad about me afterwards. Yeah. So, that's not a good, that's how I look at that. So if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. <laughs> um, on March 30th, Bucks Bruce Arians retires as head coach, starts new role as senior football consultant, um, and defensive coordinator Todd Bowles has been announced as the team's new head coach. Um, Bowles gets a five-year Bowles gets a sorry Bowles gets a five-year deal, and Arians spent three seasons as the Buccaneers' head coach. Do you have anything to think about this in relating to Tom Brady coming back? Because I know when Brady initially retired, they, I think Arians was asked, oh, is the door open for Tom to come back? And he had a really interesting answer. Like, I don't really care. Kind of threw some expletives in there. You know, we're, we're moving on. And some people are like, well, do you think it has any impact that Tom came back? You know, because apparently... Uh, before he came back, he was told that Arians was going to retire. I don't know. That's a rumor. But do you maybe think that had any influence on it? Of course, he denies that there was any like rift in their relationship. But the one thing that it did make me think about was um, Antonio Brown, actually, and his claim that players were playing hurt and it didn't matter if you were hurt, you still had to be out there. So I wasn't sure if maybe he was trying to fight some of that controversy as well as possibly not getting along with Tom Brady or whatever that might've been, but interesting for sure. And do other teams have a senior football consultant? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wasn't sure if that was just kind of something they, something they made through for it. We got something for you. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. Um, no, yeah, that was that, that was definitely the first thing that it made me think of was Antonio Brown and how true those claims might be. So, moving forward here, on April 2nd, Colin Kaepernick threw at the Michigan Spring Game. He continues to wait for an opportunity to rejoin the NFL, says that he can help make a team better, can help them win games, and has told others that he's open to accepting a backup role. So, really just trying to get back in it yeah i mean i think that would be what he would get anyway you know regardless of what happens i mean would it be a backup role um but i mean look however you feel about the guy you know i know that at the end of his time with the niners he wasn't putting up huge numbers i get that right but you can't look at certain guys in the nfl that are in like third string or second string roles and tell me they're better than him 
and you're not at least giving him a tryout. Like if teams were giving him tryouts and they weren't signing him, okay, I get it. He's bad, mm-hmm. right? But no one's giving him at least a tryout, right? So I, I'm not normally a big fan. Uh, which one's at Michigan? Is it Jim Harbaugh? I think it's Jim Harbaugh, yeah. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of him just because of his time with the Niners and even back with Stanford when he you know, thinks he's said to Richard Sherman. Um, but it, it was good on him, I think, to yeah. allow that to happen, right, and to give him an opportunity. And really, I'm just waiting the day that it pops up that we see that he got at least a tryout right because we haven't seen that we have not seen that yeah for sure so all the luck to Kaepernick we did see that last throw that he completed and it was didn't look rusty at all um so hopefully he finds his way back um New claims surfaced against the commanders as well. The House receives info alleging Washington kept ticket revenue required to be shared with other NFL teams. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's stuff that's supposed to be always shared. And so on top of the claims against, uh, I forgot his name, Schneider, their owner. I mean, there's more stuff piling up and you've got to wonder when when is this going to be enough? Their ownership... that organization as a whole, I mean, it happens with the spirit in the NWSL, their Washington owner, terrible person. And it's like, why is this a trend with Washington team? I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but I would like to see the commanders finally kick him out. I mean, it's, it should have been happening. It should have happened a while ago. Yeah. And I just hope that maybe this is now, hey, something that they will get out. Because, I mean, this is like, a lot of this is illegal. Yeah, so, something's you know. definitely just not working up there. And they for sure need change soon. Um, moving forward, the only thing looking ahead is the NFL draft, which will be take place the twenty April twenty eighth through the thirtieth. Yeah, so that's uh, all that's kind of on the uh, on the docket outside of what we what Bell talked about with the uh, off season dates. But I think I think that's kind of what we have to look forward to next. Is I mean, free agency is kind of slowed to a mild dripping. You know, there's nothing really going on. And now the draft is kind of where we look at next for the Seahawks team to improve. So with that being said, we kind of head to the, I almost almost say the brunt of the information this week, especially with what happened this (laughs) Mm -hmm. morning. So we'll jump right into our Seattle Mariners this past week, wrapping up. We're getting towards the end of spring training here, getting closer to actual regular season baseball, baseball that counts. Um, We'll look at our recap for the seven games that took place over the past week. Uh, first of which being March 28th versus the Texas Rangers, uh, winning that game 6-5. to five. Player of the game, right fielder Mitch Hanager going 2-3 for three with two RBIs. March 29th versus the Kansas City Royals, losing that game 4-11. to 11. Player of the game, catcher Luis Torrens going 2-3 for three with two RBIs and one time being left on base. March 30th at the Chicago Cubs, losing that game 5-8. to eight. Player of the game, left fielder Jared Kelnick going 2-3 for three with a run and an RBI. March 31st versus the Cleveland Guardians, winning that game 3-2. to two. Put of the game, second baseman Adam Frazier going 2-3 for three with two RBIs. We'll now switch to our bottom three. April 1st at the Colorado Rockies, losing that game 1-2. to two. Put of the game, first baseman Abraham Toro going 1-3 for three with an RBI and being left on base one time. April 2nd versus the Milwaukee Brewers, winning that game 4-3. to three. Put of the game, first baseman Steven Souza Jr. That's kind of, I, I emphasize first baseman because he's normally an outfielder. Uh, going one for one with two RBIs and then finishing up the week, April 3rd at the Kansas City Royals, winning that game 10 to 8 player of the game. Uh, shortstop Dylan Moore going one for three with one run, three RBIs and being walked once. Uh, I could speak more about that Royals game because somebody that's kind of the uh, majority of the news in Mariners land this week had a home run in that game and Jared Kelnick hit a two run bomb. Um, but with that being said, we'll head over to our player of the week segment, which has garnered Bell some attention in the <laughs> past few weeks. Um, but it's it's funny because I put this in last night before we even learned about what we'll talk about later mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And you agreed with me. And so player of the week for us on both ends is center fielder, young number three prospect in all of baseball, uh, Julio Rodriguez. Uh, so in 31 at-bats up to this point, has 13 hits, nine runs, four doubles, three homers, nine RBIs, 26 total bases, walked three times, uh, three stolen bases, a 419 batting average, a 471 on base percentage, an 839 slugging percentage, and a 1.309 on base plus slugging. Julio, I mean, it kind of felt like this last year with Kelnick knocking on the door, uh, you know, 
I talk about knocking. Uh, Coolio kind of busts the door down <laughs> and kind of obliterated it. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, you talk of it, it's always the talk, you know, coming into spring training, who's going to really make their mark and say, I need to be on an opening day roster. Last year, it was guys like Kelnick, Trammell. Taylor Trammell worked his way onto that opening day roster. Julio, I mean, 419 average is just outrageous. You know, you look at some of the key plays. Something that is going to be looked back on is that uh, inside the park home run he hit. I believe it was against the Rockies. Um, I just The number three prospect in baseball, I think he should be higher. Uh, but as a guy that he just loves having fun, he's like 21, 22. Wow. He's only a little bit older yeah. than me. Um, and has really left a mark and should really be a lot of fun to see him at Tebow Park all season. I mean, do you want to say anything about what you've been able to garner since then? I mean, just looking at all of the players for the week and their performances, and it was hard not to agree with Chuck. I did see your selection before I made mine, Um, but it was, it was really just hard not to go with him because he was everywhere. Um, I looked at every single stat and he had something on every single stat. And so it was, yeah, no brainer. And I, you know, I think it should be said that he's, he's, he's what, what do we say? Like 20 early, very early twenties. And he's going to be a rookie this year. Um, It's very important to remember that he's going to make mistakes, but he's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Uh, You know, he's got a big bat. He's got a big smile. He's a really fun personality. Something, too, that, I mean, I won't say the guy's name. I don't know how much you know about it. But last year, right before the season began, the uh, Mariners had, uh, it was a front office guy, and it was on a, it was like the Bellevue Breakfast Club Rotary. They had a Zoom meeting for whatever reason, and this guy was on it. And he basically talked, he talked, he said some really bad things about a lot of players. Mm -hmm. Said they, he basically said they were upset that they were playing and paying interpreters. Uh, and he talked about Julio Rodriguez. He's a great player, but he needs to work on his English. Julio has, he taught himself English as a teenager, taught himself English as a teenager and has been very insistent about taking interviews in English. This is a guy that is a, I mean, he's a great guy off the field from everything that I've garnered, every media member that's talked about him, everyone that's interacted with him. It's just, it's, it's amazing to me to see the the guy that he is, right? And the talent that he's got. And it should be a lot of fun to just have him up. I think he's earned it. Um, he'll make mistakes. I know he'll make some mistakes, but yeah. they, he's a rookie. You know? Bear with him. The yeah. language will get better, of course. So I'm, I'm just excited to, to see that. And it was really cool to get the official confirmation that, hey, he's going to be on the opening day roster. Because yeah. that was kind of something uh, I know some of the media members were wondering, how can you keep him off of this roster? How has he not been announced yet? There you go. So um, we'll head into injury news. We'll take the fun down a little bit and look <laughs> at injuries. Um, on the 30th of the month, it was announced that Evan White has had successful surgery to repair his sports hernia. Uh, the timeline to return on that is still to be determined. I know we talked about it last week. Looking at it on a standard recovery, right, it's 6 to 12 weeks. But this is Major League Baseball. I, you know, they've got more resources at hand, and I don't know the extent of it. Um, I just, I don't know. Like, what do you think about it? I mean, cause in 2021 in his rookie year, he won a gold glove at the first base position. He had some struggles as a hitter last year, struggled as a hitter in the early part of the season that he played and then suffered an injury. Just wasn't able to come back. The plan this year was to have him in triple a start the year so that he could get his bat going. And you, you have an injury again. You know, if you look at any team that's gunning for the playoffs right it's got a lot of a uh, a lot of talent on it and there's no there's no timeline to be able to wait and say hey you know we can wait for you to come back you know and you've already got somebody that's taken over his position i mean is at least in your mind belt do you think his the you know is time running out for him because i know it's he's really young this is just a question i'm not saying that it is but i mean ty france has taken his spot I know they've talked about him wanting to play in the outfield. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you think maybe a position change would help him? Does he trade bait at this point? I don't know. What do you think about that? Oh, that's tough. Um, in, in his I don't position, wanna, yeah, I don't right? want to say that he's trade bait, but 
that's kind of where my mind is going. I mean, right. Cause I mean, if you look at any other sport where, I mean, if you get passed up in your spot, even, even in any other job, right. If someone came over and you had a better host here, if I go down, I don't know, take my voice <laughs> box out, right. You need someone else to fill in and they do really well. Yeah. Then there's that replacement for your role. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's, that's, it's a tough, it's tough, right. In, in any, and in any sport, there's that, feels like that player that gets hurt and never really makes a full comeback. They just continue to get hurt. Yep. Um, I don't know. You really hope that maybe he can figure it out. But at this point, yeah, I would say that things aren't looking too good for him. Because Ty France, you know, acquired in that Padres trade. Uh, I mean, he had a, he's always had a nice bat, but he really showed out defensively and probably should have won the gold glove. Say that out there. Matt, I think Matt Olson won it. Sure, fine, whatever. Um but I, I, I think it's Ty France's job to lose, and I don't think he's losing anytime soon <laughs> unless he regresses. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough situation with Evan White. Um, and then on the second, uh, relief pitcher Ken Giles suffered a setback in his recovery. So background for you, Ken Giles is a, is, is a bona fide closer. He had a great season the last time he played in 2019, I believe it was, with the Blue Jays. The Mariners signed him to a two-year deal. It might have been 2020. Uh, two-year deal. Uh, they knew that he was going to be injured last year, but they signed him to a two-year deal, so it was effectively a one-year, right? But they wanted to lock him down. Um, he was recovering from Tommy John surgery, and he suffered a setback. So the right-handed pitcher will begin the season on the injured list, which it, it's uh, disappointing, uh, but you want to make sure that... I mean, the bullpen was the strength of this team last year, so I think he'll be fine. I think we'll be fine without him for the time being, but... You know, come midseason, come those final months of the year where, you know, the the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, the Yankees are coming around and you need to close the door, you're going to need guys like him. Mm -hmm. So uh, just hope that, you know, no more setbacks, hopefully. Um, so with that being said, as we approach opening day, you know, the roster is being whittled down so we can get to the final, you know, it, it's like the NFL where we get down to the final 53, right? We're whittling it down here. On the 28th, the team reassigned left-handed pitcher Kyle Bird to the minor league camp. On the 29th, a few roster moves were made. Outfielder Taylor Trammell was optioned to Triple A Tacoma. Right-handed pitcher Matt Festa and left-handed pitcher Ryan Buckter were reassigned to the minor league camp, and the team would send uh, minor league right-handed pitcher Connor Phillips to the Cincinnati Reds as part of the uh, Suarez-Winker trade. He was the player to be named later. He was the number 15 overall prospect in the Mariners' uh, farm system. I know that there were tweets about it right before we found out that uh, Jerry DePoto was like, oh, we hated to lose this guy. And so you think that, right? You think, who'd they, who'd they trade? <laughs> you know, Connor Phillips, nice arm. He's got some nice stuff. But in what I was able to garner from it, scouts were kind of split on him. They're like, some guys really love his stuff. Some guys thought he was a little erratic. So best of luck to Connor Phillips in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I'm okay with that. Okay. Um, Excuse me. On the 31st, the Mariners named Robbie Ray as the opening day starter on April 7th in Minnesota. So it will be a Ray day on opening day. But that's like I've talked to Bell about. That could be something that uh, gets moved back with the possibility of snow on opening day in Minnesota. So uh, like we were talking about, I don't know how you don't have a roof on your ballpark in here in Minnesota. Um we talked about NFL.com and their rankings. MLB.com on the uh, 31st of the month ranked the Mariners as the second best farm system in all of baseball. Um, we'll look at some of their top 100 prospects. Obviously, Julio Rodriguez, the number three uh, player prospect in all of baseball, uh, taking the number three spot. Shortstop, Noel V. Marte taking the number 11 spot. Right-handed pitcher, George Kirby, the number 32 Right-handed pitcher Emerson Hancock, the 82nd. Catcher Harry Ford, the 93rd. And right-handed pitcher Matt Brash, the 98th. Interestingly enough, there are three guys, two guys actually, will be on the opening day roster in mm -hmm. Brash and Rodriguez. So uh, that's April 1st. Right-handed pitcher Levi Stout was reassigned to minor league camp. On the 2nd, the Mariners named it Brash as the team's starter. So there's that. The fifth starter... So that was kind of something that we had been wondering about uh, who was going to be that final starter in the rotation. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then this is a little bit lighthearted. 
uh, per an inside source, the Mariners uh, City Connect collection will come in 2023. The We'll get to it here with league news, but the Nationals had theirs, mm-hmm. uh, their jerseys. Pardon me. For City Connect, uh, sold really well. So there's that. And we'll finally learn about that next year. In more roster moves, uh, right-handed pitcher George Kirby, right-handed pitcher Sal Romano, infielder Eric Magia were all re-signed to the minor league camp, and catcher Chance Sisko was released. On the third, the Mariners agreed to terms with Mitch Hanniger to avoid arbitration. The outfielder gets signed to 2022 uh, on a one-year $7.75 million deal. Left-handed pitcher Nick Margavichis optioned uh, to AAA Tacoma. And then on the 4th, this morning, the team found out that Julio Rodriguez will be on the Mariners' opening day roster, and we found out that opening day is sold out. That's a great picture, by the way. <laughs> I mean, come on. he got the glasses. He's got, you can see there, he's got his custom batting practice bat. It looks, it, I mean, come on. Looks like a starter to me. Yeah. So <laughs> with that, Belk, can I have you uh, look at the league notes here? Yes. And we'll, we'll get to that uh, City Connect jersey, which I think is really cool, actually. Yeah. yeah. So on the 31st, it was announced <laughs> that the National City Connect jerseys set a record. They, their Washington's Cherry Blossom jersey sets first day City Connect sales record, beating next best by 58%. On April 1st, the MLB, uh, it was announced that the MLB would mic up the umpires for reviews. Umpires will use a microphone to announce replay review decisions to the crowd starting next week. Um, And then on April 3rd, Carlos Beltran speaks on 2017. Former Astro addresses if there is a stain on the team's title during their 2017 scandal by saying, we were wrong. (sighs) I don't even want to touch the Houston stuff. You know, that's... (laughs) That's this whole thing. But I don't know. I, you know, you and I are kind of accustomed to the NFL and the NBA where, well, I don't know how much they do at the NBA towards the whole arena. You know, they do it on the broadcast, right, where the refs will announce what actually happened, right? Like in the NFL, they do that. Yeah. You know, but the NBA know that they'll talk, like on the in major TV. broadcasts, yeah. they'll talk to the uh, broadcasters uh, to explain the, the ruling so that they can pass that on. Um but I think this is good. I mean, you know, you kind of want that transparency, especially, you know, with the calls for robot umpires. Yes. You know, you kind of <laughs> want that transparency. You oh, want to yeah. know what's going on. You want to know why that decision was made as opposed to, oh, that was overturned. Right. So I think that's good overall. I mean, I don't want to touch the yeah, Astros thing, yeah, yeah. but I think that's I think that's a positive step, um, especially with all the bad the lockouts done. You know, like you're saying, you don't want to ruin that anymore with the games getting pushed back. So uh, with that being said, the Mariners now sit at an eight and six record. Uh, We'll look here at their upcoming games, April 4th versus the Arizona Diamondbacks at 110. Uh, That's games currently going on. The Mariners are currently down two to nothing uh, in the bottom of the fourth. Uh, April 5th at the Cincinnati Reds at 12.05. And so that wraps up spring training. We'll get done with those. And then we head over to regular season. We'll have regular season baseball, hopefully. Right. <laughs> Minnesota uh, has good weather. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the seventh, oops, wrong one, seventh, ninth, and tenth, the team will take on the Minnesota Twins for the opening series out in Minnesota on the road. Uh, Minnesota has some talent. They've got some pieces. You know, Byron Buxton, they signed Carlos Correa to a, a weird deal with a lot of options. <laughs> um, I know that last year to begin the season, uh, the Twins kind of give the Mariners some headaches. So, We'll see how that goes, but it's it'll be exciting to just get meaningful baseball back. Yeah, you know, regardless of uh, if it gets. I mean, I'm sure we'll have it by the time we see you on Monday, but um, I'm just happy to have it back. Just happy yeah. to have it back, and uh, really excited for Julio Rodriguez. So, yeah. with that being said, oh, hopefully the weather doesn't delay things any further because we've missed enough games for the season. Yeah, we would have we would have had regular season games for you right now. Yeah, because the season's exactly. supposed to begin on the thirty first. Yep. So yeah, with that being said, now uh, not too much heading into storm related news. I mean, we've got some Hall of Fame stuff, but also uh, a team that technically isn't around. Yeah, um, it was nice to see them on here for yeah. some news. Yeah, so, so Bill, I'll let you uh, take that over. Yes, going into the storm section here, former storm player Swin Cash will be inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. She is a twenty twenty two inductee. Congratulations to Swin Cash. Um, 
just a couple of her accolades here. She's a four-time WNBA All-Star, three-time WNBA champion, two-time Olympic gold medalist, champion in 2010, All-Star in 2011, All-Star MVP with Seattle, um, and current executive with the New Orleans Pelicans. So still very much in the swing of things here for basketball. Um, again, congrats to her. Mm-hmm. And just on the related Hall of Fame news, former Sonics head coach George Carl is in the same Hall of Fame class, will also be inducted. Um, he coached five NBA teams over 27-year career, six all-time in career wins, 2013 NBA Coach of the Year, 22 playoff runs, coached the Sonics from 92 to 98. Now, you don't have to look at all of those numbers, <laughs> but just just you Yeah, know, just to give you an idea of what... get some of that, right, you know? yeah. I mean, the all-star game code i mean it's not the biggest thing because it's the all-star game right i don't know how much you feel about all-star games uh but to be obviously you're, you're going to be like the best coach in that conference yes. right you know so you look at it third in the so we'll just look at it here like this we'll go by year by year so in the years he coached the sonics third in the west first in the west fourth first second second never finished below fourth you know to uh you know uh, what was the first year conference finals Next year, first round exit, first round exit. One of those was to the Lakers. Um, 95, 96, you know, losing to the Bulls in the finals. I mean, what? The 72 and 10 team, <laughs> Jordan, Pippen, Rodman, yeah, Kerr. It's tough. It's, it's tough, you know, because had it been anybody else, the Sonics probably would have had two titles at yeah. this current point in time. You know, th- these were really good teams. Uh, you know, obviously Kemp and Peyton, but there were a lot, there's a lot of talent on those teams. Uh, and you got to have a good coach, right? Because, I mean, like we've looked at any other any other teams that we cover, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have somebody to write the ship, it doesn't really matter. Right. Um, and then losing in that final uh, year in the conference semifinals. So, you know, a perennial playoff team. And I know that Coach Carl has been uh, really adamant, obviously, about getting the Sonics back. So, yeah, I mean, let's just let's just look at this for a second. We'll we'll put that. Look at, look at what's in the corner there. You can see that little Sonics logo. Isn't that nice? It is nice nice. to have up there. Yeah, it'd be exciting to get that back, but I'm gonna probably a few years. Won't hold my breath just yet. (laughs) Yeah, so we'll we'll see about that. But it was it was nice to look at that. So I'll let you I'll let you finish out uh, with a little tidbit here about Storm. Yes, on April fourth, Steph Talbot and Ezzy Magbagor named to All WNBL First Team. So. Getting getting some run in the off season, I guess you know down in Australia. Yeah, you know, uh, keeping fresh. You know, down under. Uh, okay. <laughs> Was that a minute work song? We're not gonna. <laughs> oh God. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, it's good to see, especially Ezzy, with what we talked about yeah. last last week, right? She's getting that well. development going to be really important. And even Steph Talbot, somebody that's going to be you know a spot up shooter can give you some defense. Can it really need? I mean, like we said. Any contending team is going to need a good bench, and you're going to need that. So Talbot can be a really important piece of that. So good to see that, at least. It's always nice to see accolades, you know. Um, but we're getting close to camp. Camps uh, in a few weeks, spring training, mean, spring- April 23rd, that preseason game. So that's kind of what we've got to look forward to, and I don't see too much happening. I think uh, the pieces have kind of fallen into place uh, for free agency. So. Yeah. It'll okay. be nice to see who steps up, um, other than the big three, of course. I saw a video of Brianna Stewart uh, shooting threes the other day, and she looked fantastic. So, very exciting. Just that, too, you know, with Stewie, keeping everybody fresh, right? And that's also goes to the importance of having a good bench, you know, being able to rotate in, and, you know, you've got your second unit, and you don't have to worry about giving up a bunch of points. Yes, right? giving and say, up okay, the lead. i got to get my starters back out there, right? Yeah. So that'll be a lot of fun, and it'll be good to to have us here to actually look at storm games, you know, um, and be able to cover that because I think their season ended before we actually started circling Salesforce on Converge. So mm. we will. Uh, I'm excited for that. That'll yeah. be really good. You know, obviously, w- both of us can have stress about how that'll work out, but just having the WNBA back will be good. And it's Sue's last year, so there's there's bound to be some interesting things taking place. Um. Head over to our Seattle Sounders this uh, segment, uh, April 2nd versus the Minnesota United FC Loons, winning that game 2-1 to one, uh, on the road out in Minnesota. 
impact player of the game, Zhao Paulo, with one goal, an 84.8% passing percentage and winning three tackles. So Seattle uh, gets back after the international break, after the men's national team uh, for the U.S. has locked in a World Cup spot for the first time since 2014. So good for them. You know, Jordan Morris and Christian Roldan being a part of that team. Uh, but you go and play Minnesota, and it was kind of funny to me, actually. Um, the One of the Minnesota broadcasters said that this game was sort of a battle of the Western Conference heavyweights. Now, it's funny to me because, you know, Minnesota, I know that the Sounders played them, I think it was in 2020, for the Western Conference title. So that's, it, that's you know, saying something, right? But Minnesota, you know, to call them both American heavyweights, <laughs> let me just read you some stats here, okay? Yes. So trophies between the teams. Minnesota has none. Seattle has seven. Cup finals. Seattle has 10. Minnesota has none. Playoff appearances. Seattle has 13. Minnesota has three. And head-to-head wins. Seattle has nine. Minnesota has one. That's very lopsided. So kind of funny. <laughs> Callum Williams, Minnesota United announcer, called them two American heavyweights. Just, just a little fact-checking there, you know. Um, but, it, I mean, Minnesota's a good club. They're a good club. I won't say that they're not. But just just an interesting tidbit from the broadcast there. <laughs> um, so Seattle getting three big points on the road. You know, I, you've seen me, you know, since the MLS season began, really worried about the situation yeah. of this team. Um, but we get some good news on the injury front. Some there's some good and some bad, so we'll get into that. On the 29th, uh, in the first of the injury news, whoop, uh, defender Yamar did not play on April 2nd against Minnesota United as he was recovering still from the injury that he suffered in that game against the LA Galaxy a few weeks ago. And then on April 2nd, um, the day of the Minnesota United game, we found out that Nico Ladero, Jimmy Madranda, and Raul Ruiz Diaz were all active after being out for an extended period of time. So to get those guys back, I mean, Ladero. Uh, used to be, you know, kind of the the key cog in the midfield there. Christian Roldan's kind of stepped up. Jean Paolo stepped up. Um, but still, it's, it's valuable to have that, you know, experience, let alone the talent. Jimmy Madranda, a really good piece to bring off the bench. And Raul Ruiz Diaz has been your your striker, your killer mm-hmm. up top for ever since you've had him. So to have those guys active in your lineup That's is huge. important and really important for the game that we have in upcoming. But we have a team note to look at, a couple team notes. Um, on March 30th, it was announced that the home match that was slated for this Saturday, the 9th uh, against FC Cincinnati, was rescheduled to September 27th at 7 p.m. at Lumen Field. It's still Lumen Field. Uh, but that game had to be rescheduled due to the Sounders' advancement in the CONCACAF Champions League semifinals. So that game get pushed back. Uh, but to September. Yeah. <clears throat> Season uh, kind of getting shoveled there, and especially yeah. with the World Cup coming up at the end of the year. Um, but glad that it just got rescheduled and I'm getting tired. I got, got tired of canceling games yeah. with the, <laughs> the team that we just had before this. Um, but you know, I guess when you, you win things, sometimes stuff's got to get moved around. Um, then on the fourth, we talked about Joe Paulo being our player of the game for the, uh, win against Minnesota. JP would be named to the MLS team of the week for this upcoming past week. Me so do. good for Joe. So we look at upcoming, um, the Sounders record sits at two wins, uh, one draw, and two losses. No, pardon me. One loss and two draws in uh, MLS play, sitting at ninth in the Western Conference. Looking ahead, April 6th, this Wednesday, versus New York City FC at 7 o'clock. This is a CONCACAF Champions League semifinal game. This is leg one of two. It's really important that you go ahead and you take care of business in this first leg because you'd like to have a cushion in the second leg, right? Um, and, you know, we talked about with Raul and Nico getting back, you know, you want to, Brian Schmetzer said you want to win trophies. You want to win in everything that you do. This is a chance to do that. You win this leg, well, not like, you win this round, you go to the final. Mm-hmm. And no MLS team has won this trophy. So it'd be something to do. So, with that being said, we head over to our Seattle Kraken. And, Bill, why don't I have you look at those scores? Yeah. So, on March 28th against the LA Kings at LA Kings, they won 6-1. to one. Player of the game was one player of the game. We got two different ones here. Was Chris... Chris Drieger. Drieger? Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to say that wrong. With 36 saves and a 0.973% save percentage. Save percentage. 
Um, player of the game two was Adam Larson with one goal, one point. Three plus minus. Three plus minus, one shot on goal, and three hits. On the 30th versus the Las Vegas Golden Knights, they lost zero to three, and we have no player of the game for that because a shutout loss and yes. garners no player of the game. <laughs> um, on April 1st, they played the Golden Knights once again and lost two to five, and the player of the game there was Will Borgen, one assist, one point, two plus minus, six hits, and one block. On April 3rd, they played the Dallas Stars and won four to one. Um, player of the game one again, Chris Drieger, 29 saves, a 0.967 save percentage. And the player of the game two was Carson Susie, two assists, two points, one plus minus, one shot on goal, and four hits. And I just will say that it feels like Carson Susie is on the player of the game list very often. Oh, so it, it's, <laughs> it, I like that you point that out, right? Because you know, we had the trade deadline episode, right? And there were reports that came out that Susie had been called about. Teams were like, "Hey, are you gonna are you gonna trade that guy?" And they said, <laughs> "We're interested." They wanted to keep him. Yeah, you know. And Carson's been able to really be. I mean, I looked at the advanced metrics side of things. Um, I'm not the biggest analytics guy, right? I'm not saying no to it. I just don't know it all, right? Uh, Susie was at the top of the list for player of the game uh, in terms of total value for that game against Dallas. I wanted to highlight Drieger. Take a moment to highlight Drieger because um, in his last uh, however many starts, I'd say maybe five, he's been excellent. You know, yeah. you look at the obviously in the – I mean, he didn't have shutouts, but he was excellent. You know, and he, he was in goal for that March 30th game that we talked about. That Those goals really weren't on him, you know, and it's tough as a goalkeeper because you will get goals that aren't on you, yeah. you know. Um, it's not like some sports where you can control everything, you know. Um, it was really interesting, and I wanted to mention that because in the press conference the morning of the April 1st game, uh, Philip Grubauer was in that, and they asked, the question was asked, why why is Gruby in that as opposed to Drieger, who's had some great starts? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and goalkeeper management has been something that's been talked about all season with Haxall. We'll talk about the end of the year. Um, but Haxall said he wanted, he wanted good play and leadership in that. Now, what that means, I don't know, because I've talked to a few of my guys that I work with in the press box at these games, and they said, yeah, we don't know what that's about. That's really weird to say, and it's kind of ironic. Um, because as a goalie, it's like, I don't know how much, you know, the leadership, leadership aspect's kind of weird, you know, because uh, goalies really don't get the captain's patch or the alternate captain's patch anyway. So it's just that this leadership idea was kind of funny because then, you know, he talks about that the morning of, and then Seattle loses that game. Five goals happen. You know, he just, uh, I had a buddy who asked about it, you know, asked about it, how he thought Grubauer played. And I like Grubauer. Mm -hmm. But just the comment that was made is something that stuck with me. And actually, I was like, oh, he played, he played fine. And that's where it ended. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's where it ended. Oh um, but, it, I mean, Chris Drieger, you know, the thing with him was, I don't know how much of it you followed with the team starting. He was brought in to be the starter this year. Um, in the offseason. And then we found out that Grubauer was going to be a free agent. He wasn't going to sign with the Avalanche. So I was like, oh, you've got a guy who almost won the goalkeeper trophy last year, and he's on the market. You want to go get him. Yeah. And in hockey, it's really important to have two good goalkeepers because you're going to have to switch them out. You can't have one guy play all of the games. Um, and so it probably, like, if I brought you in to be co-host, right, and I'd tell you this is your job, you're going to be the person's going to be here. And then I have someone else. Someone new and shiny. <laughs> and I, and I said, oh, I said, Oh, Oh, Salman, he's, he's, he's a free agent. I really want I really want him in my spot right here. And I, what does that do to your psyche? Oh, yeah. Right. No, like, Oh, they, you told me I was going to be here. And now I'm like Shot playing second fiddle. I'm the unwanted person. So it's, it's been tough for him. And so I, I applaud the fact that he's been able to have good games despite kind of the situation he's in. And I hope there's no like rift between the two goalies. Mm. Um, you would hope that not between them, of course, between yeah. management, maybe. But. Yeah. So I just wanted to highlight that. But yeah, Carson Susie, it just it's been interesting to see that teams called about him at the deadline, and since then, uh, they talked about it in the broadcast. I think it was Allison Lucan who does the analytics part. So he looks like he's playing more free, he's like a little looser on his sticks, not worried about playing to a certain level. He knows he's going to be on the team. 
and he's able to be himself. So that's really good. Um, we head over to our team news on the first of the month. Uh, goalkeeper Joey Decord earns AHL goaltender of the month honors for March down with the Charlotte checkers. His stats for the month of March, a six win, uh, one, I think it was a one loss record, uh, 1.55 goal allowed on average and a 0.956 save percentage over the month of March. Also won the first uh, forward Cole Lynn scored his first NHL goal of his career in a loss to the Golden Knights. On the third of the month, forward Morgan Geeky played in his 100th NHL game. Uh, in league-related news, the Philadelphia Flyers' Keith Yandel, his Ironman streak ended on Saturday against the Maple Leafs. He did not see any action, so he ended his Ironman streak of 989 consecutive games played in the NHL. Oh, my gosh. So that's, that's, that's a lot. That's, Considering yeah. that there's like 80 something games in an NHL season. So he's uh, quite the record that's, there. That's just, it's not saying he's starting all of them. He's got some action on. Yeah. Kind of funny to, to look at. And I mean, just looking at that consistency is incredible yeah. to think about. So we look at upcoming for our Kraken here, looking to, well, I want to look at this first. In the press conference last night, you know, a lot of the players before this, um, have said you want to finish out the season right. You want to build an identity. You want to improve, mm-hmm. and they look like they've been doing that. But what what um, Hextall said at the end of the the night was really nice. Um, he said that you know you could go out there this final month. It's going to be a busy month. You want to go out there. You want to have fun. You want to win games. I don't know if I want to say you want to kick some ass, and you just want to have fun doing all of it. Yeah, and it was good to see that because you know, despite me talking about the leadership thing with Hackstall, what I will say about someone who's been in the press conferences, he always is really responsive to media, and I like that. That's that. Um, so, you'd like to just see improvement and that the team stays in it this last final month because they play a lot of teams that are battling for playoff spots. Um, so we'll get to that here in upcoming. Uh, the team record sits at 22 wins, 41 losses, six overtime losses, resulting in 50 points. Uh, they sit at eighth in the Pacific, and that hasn't changed for probably since Ever. the season began. <laughs> Looking ahead, they will take on the St. Louis Blues on the road on April 6th at 5 o'clock. St. Louis has um, the third overall spot in the Pacific, the Central Division, pardon me, and fourth in the Western Conference. April 7th at the Chicago Blackhawks at 530 uh and then april 9th back here at climate pledge arena versus the calgary flames who are in a prime playoff spot at four o'clock so all of those games if you are uh in the seattle area if i think even in the washington area maybe more so specific northwest if you've got root sports you'll be able to watch it on root sports if you're out of the market those games are going to be on espn plus so we head over to Challenge Cup. Bell, why don't we look at uh, what happened with our rain our here Odell over the past rain. week? Yeah, so they pulled out a win against the Portland Thorns at, on April 2nd. Um, player of the game was Jess Fishlock with one assist, three shots, three fouls sustained, and 90 plus five minutes. And I did ask Charles before the show started why it wasn't um, Rose, Rose who scored the goal that we went with as our player of the game, but of course, he said Jess is kind of the the heart of the team here. If uh, well, I'll have you. Maybe I'll give you my Paramount Plus subscription so you can watch these games because <laughs> all the subscriptions are annoying. I get that. Yes. Right. But you know, as someone who you know, my parents brought me to Rain games when they played over at Memorial Stadium at Seattle Center, um, and just watching them fully for every single home game last year and most all of the games on the road. You know that I was able to watch. Jess Fishlock is the little. I mean, I, I don't want to say little Jess. I'm, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> she's really the engine of this team. Yeah. If you sit like I tell some of the people I sit with in the press box that we should just have a Jess cam so you can watch what Jess she does at all times. The all you know, just the heart. The one league MVP last year was recognized for that. Uh, has been with the team since its inception. You know, it's just always active, always talking. Like if, if, if I didn't have windows in the press box here at Lumen Field, you could hear it. Like at uh, Shaney Stadium, you could hear her talking to her teammates. It's just always active, always active. You know, is running back on defense, is facilitating in the midfield, can still score. Um, Full-on leader. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, if you ask anybody in that locker room, I'm sure they would say the same exact thing. Um, you know, Lou, Bar- Lou Barnes wears the captain's arm patch, but I'm, you should almost have two for both of them. And I'm sure both would say that about each other. Um, I mean, I like Roosevelt. I really do. And I'm really glad that she's part of the rain. 
But I mean, a lot of that was set up by Jess and Jess is the heartbeat of that team. So that's why I went with Yeah, that. makes sense. So injury news on the first, um, the players that were out for that game against Portland were Lauren Barnes with the suspension. That's yellow card accumulation. So you get a couple yellow cards <laughs> that build up. That's all that suspension was. Yeah. Uh, Alyssa Melanson with a knee injury and Megan Rapino with the calf. I know that it was asked if she's going to be fine. She's still progressing, still working on getting back. I, I know that she, uh, Laura Harvey, head coach, wants to get her some minutes, but overall they're not really concerned yeah. with that injury. Do you want to look at uh, some league news stuff yeah. here? Yeah. On league news here, we have on March 30th, the USWNT negotiations extend talks with U.S. soccer on new CBA to go beyond March 31st deadline in an effort to reach a deal on equal pay. Um, how long has this actually been going on? Because I feel like I've, yeah, I feel like it's been forever. Years. Yeah, I know that there was, uh, they made some progress that we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, signing it. I think it was a few months ago, actually signing a deal, but I, I think more of it's still going on with the women's national yeah. team compared to what the men's national team gets. So let's hope they get what they deserve. I don't think it will accumulate to that, but hopefully they get some sort of negotiation here soon. Um, on March 31st, Hope Solo was arrested. The former Washington Husky and U.S. Women's National Team keeper charged with driving while impaired, resisting a pu public officer, and misdemeanor child abuse. Her two children were in the car while she was driving impaired. It's it sucks because, you know, we're all about Seattle sports on the show. Right. I mean, and to know that she was a Husky. Right. And she played for the rain for a period of time. Yeah. Um, she would fit right in with this show. Right. But she's just had a lot of controversy, a lot of stuff going on. And especially with this arrest, you know, you don't wish, wish ill on anybody. Just wish she'd get some help. Yeah. Um, but to have your kids in the car, you know, and do that kind of thing, it's, it's just really dangerous. And. You wish the best for the kids, obviously, but hope that Hope is able to uh, get some help, get some help in that regard. Uh, so the Reigns sit at a two-win, one-draw record. They sit at uh, first in the Western Division. Uh, we don't actually have any games this upcoming week because they head in, the women's national team heads into a, a international break. Uh, so their next games are April 14th and 17th. Uh, so we'll get to that. We'll look at that the next week. So we head over to our Seawolves here who – had their bye week. They um, did. Not much. Relatively quiet <laughs> in Seawolves territory for our Seattle rugby. Uh, but on the 31st of the month, uh, team captain Reichert Hatting was named the Rugby Network's March Player of the Month. I know that we looked at him, was it last week or two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. As the uh, Player of the Week in Major League Rugby. Um, but cool to see the captain continuing yeah. to perform, you know, um, and a bright spot despite some of the losses. So not too much to look into it there. But so I know that we talked about it, what, last week with the Seawolves coming off of that loss against L.A. and the mm -hmm. Giltinis. You said a four and four, right? You're, you're still in the thick of the race for the playoffs. Um, you're third in the Western Conference with 21 points. You're two points behind second place. And you're, I think it's five points behind first place. So that's attainable. It's attainable, you know. But... You know, coming off of the bye week, it's not going to be any easier because uh, on April 9th, on Saturday, the team travels to New England to play the Free Jacks at 1.30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, if you want to watch that game that is on the Rugby Network, it's free to sign up, so you don't have to pay anything. New England's 7-1. and one. They lead the Eastern Conference. Shoot. It's not going to be an <laughs> easy test, one. Yeah. but uh, I mean, the Seawolves have sh shown that they've got fight, so I'm not going to put them out of it. I just know it's going to be a tough test for them. And, you know, it's a great opportunity to show what you've got coming out of the bye week, adjust some things, fix some things, and take on a, a, a talented rugby club. How many total games in this season? That's a good we question. Know? You're yeah. I know we're kind of around <laughs> just wondering the midpoint of the season. Uh, it goes until, I believe, late May. Okay. So we're, we're kind of heading into we're, – yeah. we're, I think we're about midway through. Okay. But it's uh, really important. Uh, it's funny enough, you know, we talk about the Seawolves. Rucky the Seawolf, the mascot, said that he wants to get you a sticker for your laptop. That would be great. So we'll, I would we'll, love that. we'll keep up with Rucky. <laughs> Rucky, appreciate that. Um, but that's it for our Seattle sports. I mean, Seahawks, the DK diet, kind of what's going on. Uh, the Mariners were going to get into the regular season finally, barring Minnesota snow. You know, the Storm and the Sonics, funny enough, we get to say that, Sonics. you know, 
with some Hall of Fame inductees. The Sounders getting a big win against Minnesota and having an even maybe bigger game with trophies on the line um, as New York City comes to town. The reigning MLS champs. The Kraken, uh, was it a two and two? two and having, two fun. <laughs> having fun. Having fun. Having moving fun moving forward. <laughs> Uh, the rain getting a win against Portland, and anytime you win against Portland, it's a good thing. Yes. Um, and then the Sea Wolves coming off of their bye week. You know, you get your team captain gets an accolade, and you got a big upcoming week um, against New England. So, I mean, you've got any thoughts on what we've uh, had this past week? Um, or even looking lot. towards next week? <laughs> just looking towards next week, I think we're probably just gonna have just as much to talk about. So, more exciting things to come. Um, and before we sign off here. I'm going to beat you to it. Ah. We'd like to thank our director, Salman, twice today. Double the amount because we forgot last week. So appreciative of everything he does. It's more more so my fault for forgetting <laughs> that. So as always, thank your directors. You know, Salman, it's March. In, oh, no, pardon me. It's, it's April. April. I went back <laughs> in time. We were first month of April. Uh, with that being said, I mean, it's, it was pouring rain today. So take care of yourself. Be well this month of April. Uh, we'll see you next week. And until then, take care of yourself and do your best to make today a great day. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.